The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. We're very glad that you're here. We know we've got listeners across the United States and around the world, and we're delighted to have you tuning in here with us on Unity.fm, Unity Online Radio, to be with us on Spirit of Recovery. We want to thank you also for emailing us and for posting On our Facebook wall, you can look up Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. We have a page there. And we also want to thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery communities, your spiritual communities, your unity communities know about the Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of spirituality and recovery here on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. And I love hearing from you, and I'm glad to know that what is happening here on Spirit of Recovery is touching your heart. It's getting you thinking. It's opening you up to new ideas and new possibilities for ways to live uh, in recovery and uh, giving you inspiration. Every week we have topics that are important to the recovery community. And our guests are always people that are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. They're people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for or teach recovering people. And often they're all of the above. We're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions to get you thinking. We know that uh, you're aware that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery and Unity Online Radio's other great programs either on your computer, um, you can listen also on your smartphone, and you can access archives 24-7 by going to the www.unity.fm um, page, and you can find Spirit of Recovery there as well as the other programs. So you can listen to the archives at any time. Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction, or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or a family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, whether or not they or you are in recovery, uh, or if you're just curious about recovery, just looking for information, we're glad that you're here listening with us today, and we welcome you and your participation in our discussions Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And my walk is an integration of the unity principles, recovery principles, and that keeps richly transforming my life and keeps me growing in deeper ways. So I'm very grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share with you these ideas about spirituality and recovery and to hear from you about your walk on this path. Today we've got a program about the holidays, home for the holidays, serenity is possible. We all know that holidays are emotionally charged, we're looking forward to them and also sometimes we get 
a bit uh, antsy about them. Uh, it can be a time when those old tapes play in our heads one way or the other. Whether we're celebrating the holidays alone or with friends or with recovery community or with our family, sometimes our expectations that we've got to have everything be absolutely perfect can ambush us. But you know that we've got recovery tools. And today, my guest, Sherry Gogler-Stewart, is going to share with us how we can use those, those recovery tools to plan ahead emotionally and spiritually to get some uh, good uh, ideas going, to get some good practices going, so that we can have holidays that are actually very full of joy and that they're a lot better than being perfect holidays because they're real holidays. So she's going to share that with us. Sherry is the Family and Spiritual Recovery Coordinator at the Retreat Family Program. That's a program in Wyzetta, Minnesota. And um, you can learn more about Sherry and about the Retreat Family Program at www.theretreat.org. And you can find out about uh, what they do there. Sherry um, is a certified spiritual director. She's also been an active participant in a 12-step recovery program for family members since 1999. And in addition to her work at the retreat, she leads spiritual retreats and teaches meditation. She's also involved in the kids programming at the Retreat Family Program, and this is a program for children aged 7 to 12 years old who are growing up in families that are affected by chemical dependency. So, Sherry, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thanks, Anna. I'm so glad to be with you this afternoon. We're glad that, glad that you're here. So, very glad that you're here with us. And uh, as we get started, uh, could you tell us just a bit about the Retreats Family Program? Because it's, it's unique in uh, ways of uh, assisting families. Absolutely. The Retreat is an interesting facility on its own. It's not like the typical treatment model that's out there. Um, the Retreat is a 30-day, 12-step recovery immersion program where the participants, and we call them guests, here at the retreat, end up seeing up to 300 volunteers in a month who are in their own recovery journeys coming to bring the message to the retreat guests. And what we know and the research shows clearly is that the best thing that a family member can do to help somebody who is alcoholic or chemically dependent is to embark in their own recovery journey. And so we've developed our family program so that families can get support, um, which will also have that end impact of helping the retreat guests who are here. Um, the programs are residential programs. We ask families to come away for a weekend, and we take care of their facility here. We take care of providing them with food, and we look at a variety of different things. We look at the ways each family member has been affected by alcoholism or addiction. We spend some time really going in-depth in the concept of addiction as a disease. That's what we at the retreat believe. And sometimes it seems that families can understand that intellectually, but not necessarily on an emotional level. And so to take an opportunity to delve into that feels really important. We look at the dynamics that are created in our relationships when somebody is using because they're very similar from family to family. And then we invite family members to embark in their recovery journey. We look at the first three steps of um, family recovery in depth here and give those family members an opportunity to experience those steps for themselves so that they can take the focus off their loved one and start looking at how do they feel about how they're responding to all of this, how they're showing up in the midst of all of this. And whenever there's a retreat guest in the 30-day program here, we include somebody in the family program, but you don't have to be affiliated with the retreat to come to our family program. We know that there are many family members out and about who um, would love their loved one to find recovery, but that hasn't happened happened yet, they can still come and get support for themselves with our family program. That's great. So as you're saying that family members are affected uh, when somebody in the family has the disease of addiction, and during the holidays, uh, again, whether anybody's in recovery or not, families are probably under perhaps a bit more stress and strain. What are some of the issues that families uh, where there is the disease of addiction, what do they face at the holidays that that might be different from a family where there's not addiction? Well, I think that with all families, there are certain um, expectations that happen at the holidays that make it a little more stressful time of year. But 
when you have a family member in your life who is addicted or alcoholic, there's just this element of the unexpected that can happen. Um, I think that family members become very concerned about if there's going to be some sort of chaotic event that will happen during the holiday time, if their loved one will be able to remain sober while spending time with the family, if their loved one will even show up at all, or if they'll be um, involved with their addiction in some other way. Um, I think that a lot of times family members struggle with wondering how on earth is it possible that I could have a happy holiday if my loved one is struggling with this affliction? And that just adds a lot of extra emotions on top of a time of year that can already be somewhat emotional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What um, do, is there any difference uh, in, in families where their loved one is is already uh, in a recovery process if they if they've got uh, chemical dependency or addiction, or and from families where their loved one isn't yet in a recovery process? Well, I do think that there um, there can be a difference if uh, your loved one who has been using is now um, in recovery, finding some sobriety. I think that there is an element of relief that happens there, but I do think it can also create some other obstacles if this loved one is new in their recovery process and they're looking to go to additional meetings or find additional support for their addiction, we as family members may feel somewhat abandoned um, if our loved one isn't joining in with the holiday activities that um, many of us family members have created a vision of when our loved one becomes um, sober, then they'll rejoin the family, and this is exactly what that will look like. So I do think there can still be some triggers there, although there is a sense of relief that the alcoholic or addicted person is finding some recovery for themselves, which I think is part of the reason why it's really important for family members to find their own recovery in this process, because the tools that come to family members in family recovery can help them to navigate those difficult situations. Right. You know, you bring up a really important point there. You're saying that when a, a family, if, if persons that got, that's got the addiction gets in recovery, family members do tend to assume that now, now we're going to be on my script. Now it's going to be how I wanted it to be. When, when family members get in their own recovery, how does that begin to shift for them, their understanding of, of what family life is going to be like? Well, one of the things that happens when a family member is in recovery is they have a little bit more understanding about what recovery means. And so I think that 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 experience allows them um, an opportunity to stand back and let go and allow their loved one that journey that they need to be on with their recovery from alcoholism or addiction. It's also a helpful way to... Start learning to take the focus off what your loved one might be doing and bring that focus back to, well, how am I showing up in all of this? Am I being the person that I want to be? Am, am I, um, if, if something is really important for me to experience in the holiday, am I making sure that I'm experiencing that without placing those expectations on somebody else that they would need to be experiencing that as well? I think that the recovery process that's found in the 12 steps gives this opportunity for examination of um, what's going on within us, what our triggers are, um, and an opportunity to talk about that with other people who understand and um, allow that other person in our lives to have the space that they need to keep moving forward without without us being consumed by them. Right. What are uh, some of the particular triggers? You talked about some earlier about how family members are concerned that um, there might be a you know an unexpected incident that could happen at the holidays. Um, that they might be expecting that their loved one's going to show up to all the family events and, you know, that may or may not happen. What are other some particular things that you think uh, are triggers for family members at the holidays? You know, when, I, when it comes down to it, um, there are so many different fear triggers that happen. Um, fear that our needs aren't going to be met. Um, fear that something is going to happen to our loved ones. Um, there may be some guilt that comes up for us, guilt that, 
gosh, if I had shown up in my relationship differently, maybe they wouldn't need to use. So that that guilt can be a trigger. Um, there may be a drive for a family member to want to pull their family together for the holiday, and so they might enlist on a a phone spree of contacting all of the other family members to try and get this person to show up that they're concerned about. You know, um, I mean, the triggers just feel really endless. I think it's going to be based on each person, and I feel like I've said this word a few too many times already, what their expectations are of the holidays. It feels like this time of year is a really important time to take stock of what are those expectations, and are those expectations realistic? If they're not realistic, I think it opens the door to feeling more triggered at this time of year. How would a person uh, do that? I'm sure there are different techniques, but what would be a simple way that a family member could do that, take a look at their expectations? Today would be a good day because it's December the 11th, so we, we got some time before mm-hmm. the actual, actual, actual Christmas holidays happen. We're already in the season of Hanukkah and mm-hmm. Kwanzaa will be coming up later, but we've got some time, uh, I guess. So what could they do to get a handle on those expectations? You know, the first thing that I think is really important to remember whenever somebody is having an emotional response to anything that might be going on is rather than acting out on that emotional response, take a moment to pause. Take a deep breath. Maybe say a prayer. And look at what's underlying this emotion. What's that message that's coming up? What's the thing that um, is really at play here. And then there's the decision to um, to decide what are you going to do with that. Um, it's why I think that having a recovery community is really important. If you can pause, breathe, take some time and awareness around it, then you can pick up the phone and call somebody that you know will understand. Um, that if, you're, if your loved one is still using, calling somebody who's in family recovery is going to give you that opportunity to speak to somebody else who you know won't judge you, won't criticize you, will just listen to what it is you're feeling and maybe help you process a little bit of where that might be coming from. So I think that pausing and taking some time for introspection feels really important. Um, If somebody is already active in their family recovery journey, maybe it's time to do an inventory to look at those triggers in a little deeper of a fashion than just pausing and reviewing. Mm -hmm. So they could write them down or something like that or use use their own program to do Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. What are some of the uh, resources that are available to family members uh, for their for family recovery within the family pro, um, within the family recovery programs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like what programs are available? Like, um, what are there twelve step programs for family members and other? Oh, things? absolutely. Mm-hmm. There, Al-Anon is the um, is the program that's for families uh, and friends of alcoholics, and so in that program there's an opportunity to look at the same 12 steps that alcoholics look at and look at how do you start applying them in your own life. Um, There's only a one-word difference between the Al-Anon 12 steps and the AA 12 steps, Um, and that is in step 12 it talks about carrying the message to others, and in Alcoholics Anonymous they talk about carrying the message to other alcoholics. Um, Naranon is for family members who um, have somebody who's involved in drugs and narcotics. Alateen is for children aged 9 to 19 who are growing up in addicted families to help them with um, finding their own 12-step recovery. And what's lovely with this process is an opportunity to look at what do what do each of us as family members have some power over and what don't we have power over? Sometimes hold that it's thought. Gentle. It's time for our break, but hold that thought. We'll okay. be right back to it. Listeners, stay with us, and we'll be right back. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm. 
and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Are you feeling trapped by a situation you can't control? Don't know where to find help? Do you wonder if help even exists? It does, and it's always been there for you, hidden inside the ancient New Testament story of Lazarus. Unity Books invites you to unlock the secrets to peace and healing in The Lazarus Blueprint, new from best-selling authors Mary Alice and Richard Jafola. Marvel as they unveil six steps for overcoming seemingly impossible situations. Read about people like you who've used the steps to triumph over personal illness, financial hardship, and even the loss of a loved one. The Lazarus Blueprint offers a fresh new approach for fixing anything in your life. With steps so universal, timeless, and powerful, they can work for everyone. Make it your turning point. Get The Lazarus Blueprint today, online at unitybooks.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is Home for the Holidays, Serenity is Possible. And my guest is... Sherry Gogler-Stewart. Sherry is the Family and Spiritual Recovery Coordinator at The Retreat in Wyzetta, Minnesota. And she is also a Certified Spiritual Director. And she's been an active participant in the 12-Step Recovery uh, Movement as a family member since 1999. She also uh, is leads spiritual retreats and is a meditation teacher. And she's involved at The Retreat in the kids' programming. This is programming for children aged 7 to 12 years old who are growing up in families affected by chemical dependency. And Sherry is sharing with us today some powerful attitudes and practices from the recovery arena that can help us to let go of our rigid expectations about how the holidays have to be. And instead, we can uh, use those recovery tools to create holidays that are real, that are satisfying, and they're filled with love. Before I get back to our conversation with Sherry, I invite you to join me for a moment in the Serenity Minute, just a small opportunity here to relax, to breathe, and to open up ourselves to the presence of our higher power. So I invite you to breathe and to share with me these constructive ideas. I let go and let God. I live and let live. I enjoy this holiday season. I breathe I let go and let God. I live and let live. 
and I enjoy this holiday season. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. So now we're back to our conversation with Sherry Gogler-Stewart on our topic, Home for the Holidays, Serenity is Possible. So Sherry, before the break, you were uh, talking with us about the concept of powerlessness for family members. Um, What does it mean to be powerless as a family member and how can that help you? I think it's an extreme help to be able to get to a place where we can admit our powerlessness as family members. Um, I think it's one of the primary struggles that happens with family members and um, especially this time of year when we have a vision of what we think the holidays should be like. Um, it, It can really stand in our way. Now, the concept of powerlessness doesn't mean hopelessness. It doesn't mean stand by the side of the road waiting for the world to cross by. But it's a realistic look at what we do have power over and what we don't have power over. And um, I have an example of that. It's actually a holiday example and a personal example that just popped into my head. Um, For Thanksgiving, my husband and I went to um, Michigan, which is where he's from, to go and spend the holiday there. And we have family members who are addicted in his family, and um, they didn't come to Thanksgiving. And there's that moment that can happen where I know that both of us thought, well, is there something we need to do about this? Should we go and find them wherever they're at, get them here, tell them how important it is? And instead, because we know that we're powerless over what they're doing in the midst of their addiction, we were able to focus on, well, what what is some power we have? Well, we have the power to show up and be present to the family that's around us, to the grandchildren who were there and playing and Celebrating, And so part of the powerlessness piece is not only looking at what it is that we don't have power over, but what, what sort of things do we have power? And um, I think that that power to show up as the people that we want to be is really pretty important, but it's hard for us to get to a place where we can um, just kind of swim in that if we are still wrapped up in coming up with another idea to try and exert power over something that we don't have that power over. And addiction is something that we as family members just, we don't have power over what's going to happen and whether or not um, addiction is going to stay in our family or be at bay. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, uh, in that story, I'm aware that you, again, you made that choice not to run out there and try to make it all perfect, you know, in that perfectionistic sense, and I imagine that when you didn't do that, that there were probably some emotions that came up. That's usually the price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. How does that work? Well, you know, I think it's interesting um, for that story in particular, there are different emotions depending on who the family member is. Um, for my husband, and I know that he had some emotions because he's the dad, and um, dads typically are trained in to fix things and change things and provide support and shelter. And um, my role in the family is the fairly new stepmother, and so there's this whole other sort of feeling about wanting to make sure that everybody likes me and those driving motivators in there of... of, thinking that maybe if I can come out there and change things and support him and help him in that, that that will create a better step-parent relationship. And so it's really interesting to pay attention to that underlying motivator that might be driving us to um, try to be have some power over something that we don't have power over. Um, you know, and also to sit with the emotions. I know that my husband felt disappointment. I felt really sad for everybody involved because I know that they wanted to have the whole family together. Um, and it's okay to feel those emotions, but do we let those emotions become an all-or-nothing scenario where the entire um, holiday is now ruined because somebody didn't show up. You know, we as family members have choices in how we are going to respond to all of this. Um, And that's one of the things that you can learn in the family recovery journey. Mm -hmm. 
how was your holiday different uh, because you and your husband chose to not react and not run around and try to fix it? How did it uh, become different for you? Well, it felt like it was a really calm and fun time that we had. And um, the grandchildren that were over, we, we just got to give them our full attention. And so we made cookies and created, we actually created T-shirts that looked like turkeys and um, <laughs> watched the Grinch and um, were able to shift the thought of what the holiday should look like and have the opportunity to be with the holiday that was presented. Um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous has this line where um, the wording is talks about living life on life's terms. Um, so this may not have been what anybody in the family had hoped was going to happen at that moment in time, but it was what happened. And so to embrace that just allowed for a, a really great Thanksgiving after all. Mm-hmm. I know that um, the higher power and prayer and meditation are important aspects of recovery. How would, how did those fit in uh, to your experience there this on Thanksgiving or other experiences to help you? I mean, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength to, to do what you just described there. Um, how, does, how does the relationship with the higher power play into all this? Well, it links back to what I had said earlier, that pausing is really important in all of this. Um, to allow yourself to find a way to pause, create some space to let your higher power come up within you um, rather than just react and go. Um, if we had just reacted to the situation, we would have been in the car, out the door, and gone. And so um, pausing was the beginning of that and and taking meditation time to really hear some direction about all of this. And meditation is so beneficial on so many levels. Um, if you're in the 12-step recovery journey, when you get to step 11, it talks about seeking um, through prayer, conscious contact through prayer and meditation, um, praying only for God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And I think there's so many different layers to that step, the praying, the meditating, the listening. And once you receive that guidance after you've been able to listen, carrying through with it. And so that was part of the process of Thanksgiving was, okay, here's the situation. It's not how we'd like it to be. Let's pray about that. Is there anything that we're supposed to do? The guidance was be present to family. Okay, so what's the power to carry that out? Because those triggers will come back up. It's not like um, you don't look around the room again five minutes later and realize once again that, oh, gosh, that person that we really hoped was going to be here isn't here. So that reminder of, okay, so in that process there was the guidance that we were going to stay here, we were going to stay put, we were going to be present, breathe in again, and and take some time to just be alone with that in quiet time if it's necessary. Mm-hmm. You're a meditation teacher, uh, Sherry. What, what do you tell people about how to learn to meditate? It can be such a barrier for some people. What do you, how do you teach them? You know, When I teach my meditation class, I teach just a large variety of different ways to meditate because I think that sometimes the hindrance to meditation is the fact that we try to meditate using a form that's not going to work for our personality. I'm an extrovert by nature. Um, A lot of meditation practices are introverted, and so... um, I had to find a way that would work well for me. And what happened was after having that initial experience of meditation and finding a a format that did work for me, I came to realize that there were so many different ways to get there. So I think there is um, an opportunity to try a variety of different ways. If you're somebody who's more visually stimulated, looking at art might be what can help you get into a meditative place. If you're somebody who's more audio stimulated, listening to classical music, listening to nature sounds might be that way. If you're somebody who is more active, you know, you might need to have something in your hand that's more tactile to help you meditate. Or perhaps go for a walk and be outside in nature and in rhythm and in movement might be meditation for you. Um, But there's so many different ways to get there. I find that the best way to get 
into a place where you can do meditation on a regular basis is to continue to try and find an, a, a way that's going to work for you. And there are so many places that you can learn meditation. There's classes with community education all over the place. There's meditation CDs. There's websites. Um, the gift is so enormous from the meditation practice that it, I hope it's worth the effort and energy for people to really delve into that because what I've found is that once people have actually tried several experiences, um, they seem to be hooked. Mm-hmm. What is the gift that comes from the meditation practice? I know in some ways you've already spoken about it, but what's, what's the big gift that you get from it? You know, um, two of the things, I mean, above and beyond that peace that comes from being able to find some quiet, to be able to be connected to my higher power, um, and I feel like I get the power to carry out whatever those guidance and messages are in those moments. Um, I think some of it has just been acceptance. You know, one of the things that people typically learn in meditation is that our mind has a function and our mind is going to do what our mind does even though we've decided to meditate. Just because I've decided to have some quiet time doesn't mean that my head isn't going to continue to think about um, what's on the Christmas list, is it going to be snowing later, whatever I might be doing, and what's happening with this loved one that I care about so much. Um, Sometimes people can look at that and say, well, gosh, see, I told you I couldn't meditate because my head is really busy. Um, But I think it's an opportunity to build your meditation muscle. If I have a thought, I can acknowledge that thought's there, but then I can gently bring myself back to what my meditation focus is. Well, if I can do that with that thought, I can do that with the rest of my thoughts too. So if I'm going throughout my day and there's some sort of drama or crisis that's happening um, due to alcoholism and addiction, because they can happen, I can acknowledge that that's happening. I don't have to jump into that thought. I can gently bring myself back to who is it that I want to be in this? What is my guidance on what I'm supposed to be doing next in all of this? Is, am I supposed to be doing anything at all? And to me, that's a direct result of learning meditation and then living meditation as a way of life. Mm-hmm. Now you say you're an extrovert, and so you've found a, a, a way of meditating that works for you. What do, what do you do? You know, my favorite form of meditation is walking. There is a lake nearby that I just love, and I get outside, I'm in rhythm, I'm in movement, and when I am done with that walk, I have the same sort of feeling I have as if I've done a seated meditation. Um, My head is usually spouting off at the beginning of my walk, and then it clears out and just allows guidance and calm and um, love to fill me up, and it's I find that it's really helpful for me. And it's a completely different experience if I go for a walk with somebody. Uh, it needs to be me and my higher power out for a walk on our own. Mm-hmm. That's great. One of the things that happens uh, at the holidays, which uh, is a little tough to acknowledge, but uh, is is the feeling of grief. Uh, there can be grief for a lot of reasons about around holidays. Do you have some uh, ways that families can cope with grief, any stories that you've got about um, how people can deal constructively with grief at the Well, holidays? I think it's a great question, and I, it's especially this time of year. Even if somebody has lost somebody who passed away at a time of year other than the holidays, there's always that, that feeling that comes up. Um, during the holidays. And I've been in the midst of that experience a bit myself. Um, When I was growing up, my grandpa was my safe person. Um, He was always the guy that I, I could go to and I knew would love me and take care of me. And when he passed away, I, I thought I was going to fall through the cracks. I really didn't know if I was going to be able to get through that. I just I hadn't had a lot of safe men in my life, um, and he was one of those guys for me. And it's been seven years since my grandpa passed away, but my grandmother passed away earlier this year, and I find that there's grief popping up about my grandpa as the holiday comes up um, because it's linked to my grandmother. So I think it's really important to be mindful of um, just what's popping up for each of us. What are those emotions um, and what's the underlying grief? 
I had an unfortunate experience um, that I heard of recently that a friend of mine, um, actually her um, ex who was an addict, ended up being killed in a car accident while he was using. And um, they were no longer together, but it brings up a whole realm of emotions for her, um, wondering is there something more that she could have done? Should she have done things differently? You know, it's it's kind of like that that part of us that um, has admitted powerlessness might forget that for a while and start dwelling on, gosh, maybe there was one more thing that I could have done instead of looking at the reality of, unfortunately, alcoholism and addiction can be deadly. Um, when these things happen, it feels really important for people to get support. Find somebody they know who is safe to talk to. Talk about what's going on with them. Um, if you know, there hey, hold are on, husbands. hold on to that thought. It's time for okay. a break. But listeners will be right back and hear about what we can do to get support um, in those difficult times. We'll be right back. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Home for the Holidays, Serenity is Possible. And my guest is Sherry Gogler-Stewart. She's the Family and Spiritual Recovery Coordinator at the retreat. She is a certified spiritual director, and she's been an active participant in a 12-step recovery program for family members since 1999. And in addition to her work at the retreat, Sherry leads spiritual retreats, and she is a meditation teacher. And she's also involved with kids programming at the retreat for children 7 to 12 years old that are growing up in families that are affected by chemical dependency. And so, uh, Sherry, you were sharing with us before the break uh, a situation where uh, a person had lost her loved one, um, had been in an accident due to um, use, addiction, addictive use, and um, the grief that that was happening for her and her that that feeling that a lot of family members do go through is like oh my goodness could i have done uh any one more thing or how if could i have 
prevented this. And so, what are some what are some ways that uh, she can work through this? And what, how can people work through grief or through those questions that all family members do have? Well, and I think it's really important to make sure that. Um, family members get support in this process. The grief can feel really overwhelming. And it's important to be able to feel the grief because if we don't feel the grief, it will come out sideways at some other time. Um, But to find that safe person to share with and find out what the right level of support is for each family member. For some, it could just be going to um, 12-step recovery meetings. Somebody might need professional help with that too or the help of um, a a pastor or um, their religious community, just I think it's really mind, um, important to be mindful of a level of support that might be needed. And over time, I think there is also an opportunity talking about it, working through those feelings, but also to practice gratitude. What are you grateful for around this person that you lost? Um, and it, after some time, you may even be able to get to the point of looking at some of the gifts of the grief. You know, when I think about the grieving of my grandfather, um, even though I felt at times like I wasn't going to get through that, when I got to the other side of that grieving, I felt like I just had a stronger faith. Um, I have stronger faith in God and a stronger faith that I would be okay in my life. And I don't think that that would have happened necessarily without the process of going through that grief. And so I think that over time that 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 could be a helpful thing for people. But if somebody's steeped in the midst of a really heavy grieving process, I think first and foremost, getting support is necessary. Mm-hmm. What are resources available uh, to family members? Uh, we've talked about some earlier in the program. What are some other ones and uh, how can people access those for the holidays, sometimes maybe it helps to kind of double up on resources during the holidays. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think? You know, there are. I'm here in the Twin Cities metropolitan area, and there are just tons of resources available. And so I was thinking about some of those and thought I would share them, um, knowing that some of the communities that we're speaking with this evening may not have something like this, or might have something similar. Or maybe even somebody would feel inspired and want to start something similar. So um, there's a place in town here that is a restaurant owned by somebody who's in recovery that all day Thanksgiving has recovery meetings and a meal for people. Um, many AA, Al-Anon, NA meetings will hold meetings still even though it's a holiday. And so the opportunity to go to... A recovery meeting on Christmas Day is not out of the question. So checking around to see which of those meetings might be in your area. And if you're traveling a distance, there's going to be recovery meetings in that area as well that you can check out. There are some organizations, um, some groups that will do special meetings specifically for Christmas, specifically for New Year's Eve. Here in the Twin Cities, there's... uh, speaker meeting and a dance and there's an ice cream social it's called the pass it on marathon that they take into the new year and then there's some other things happening at other locations that are specifically for coming into the new year and being um both for people who are alcoholic or chemically dependent coming into the new year sober or family members who um are there to celebrate their family recovery as well we have a recovery church here in town who that um hold special meetings this time of year. And then there's also a variety of treatment centers that will have happenings that um, will be specifically for the holidays. Here at the retreat this Thursday night, we have our annual call-up meeting that is a beautiful feast of hors d'oeuvres lovingly prepared by our kitchen staff. And then there's a meeting that happens in our facility too, and it usually ends up being a gratitude meeting. And so to be able to go to a meeting like that and focus on gratitude. It's just really a great setup for the rest of the holiday season. Um, And oftentimes, if you have a loved one who's currently in a facility for alcoholism or addiction, they'll open the facility on holidays to allow for additional visiting time so it doesn't have to feel like your loved one is quite so far away if you can have a meal with them on that day. That's great. So there are lots of resources available uh, in a lot of ways uh, for people to get that fellowship and support then on the holidays. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What what about uh, some of the uh, 
ideas that a person can use uh, in addition to getting that fellowship and getting the support of other people. But in terms of relating uh, with themselves and their higher power uh, in those quiet moments, what can uh, what are some things that people can do to to get ready for holidays and and to move through the holidays with serenity? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the serenity prayer comes in really handy to be able to focus on what we have the power to change and what we don't. And um, if you are already in recovery, I think that taking recovery literature with you to family events can be really helpful. If there's some sort of family situation that's happening, um, take a moment, go to a quiet room and read from a member who um, has written about a similar experience. Those books are just really beneficial, I think. Um, Have a phone list with you. So if you need to step away and call somebody, you can do that. You can reach out to somebody who understands what this might feel like for you. I think that that's really important. And to be able to... Stand up for yourself, and if there's unacceptable behavior happening, knowing that it's okay to step away from unacceptable behavior. Um, For a long time, I didn't think that that was okay. I thought that I needed to stay and make peace at any price, and what I found was that I wasn't able to show up as the person I wanted to be in those situations. So giving yourself permission to step away if um, more harm will be created by our reaction I think is really important, too. So it's possible to even plan ahead and think about if you like taking an extra car or something like that, or driving yourself, or I don't know what other kinds of practical techniques did you have you seen that work well? You know, you can bring a friend with you if it feels like you need a buffer in the situation. I think that that can be especially helpful um, for people who are alcoholic and chemically dependent and who are going into a family situation where maybe some other people in the family aren't sober. Bring a sober friend with you um, and a family member, too. Bring somebody who understands what it's like. And um, I think that that's a really lovely thing because sometimes when you're inviting that friend to come along, especially if they don't have some place to go, um, you're welcoming welcoming them into your holiday as well. Um, So I think that having your own vehicle, if that feels like it's necessary, um, having a plan B, you know, if you feel like things may not go well in the situation that you have and you're hoping to have um, some holiday fun, maybe you want to have a plan B with somebody so that um, if the first thing doesn't turn out well, you can know that there's something else that you have to look forward to in this process, too. Right. That's really helpful. Lots of lots of practical ideas. So, um, Sherry, what would you uh, advise if you could just give family members a, a few sort of the most core words of wisdom for the holidays? What would you uh tell them? Well, I think that it's important to pay attention to what's really yours versus what actually belongs to somebody else, Um, to take some time to take care of yourself, to just breathe, to pray, to, um, to really focus on your needs during this time frame and allow yourself to take care of yourself first and foremost. Um, because I think that when we take care of ourselves, we open up the opportunity to give better care and love to those around us, too. Mm-hmm. What's one of uh, your happiest holiday stories that, that uh, <laughs> where you really put the, oh, that's, I've got, we've got a good one, I can tell. Well, what I think about is um, my family and that um, they've just, over the years, really noticed the changes that have taken place in me with being involved in family recovery. And so I'm, I, I think especially about my sister's family, and this might make me emotional, um, I feel like I'm just a part of their little family unit. And this year there, were, there was a question as to whether or not I was going to be able to make it home for the holidays. And um, the first item that my niece placed on her Christmas wish list this year was for Auntie to come home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And what I know to be true is that before I got into recovery, not everybody wanted me around. Um, 
not that they didn't love me, but my reaction to alcoholism and addiction made me um, not always the easiest person <laughs> to have a holiday with. I would want things to be a very specific way. If they didn't happen that way, I would become very upset. Um, I would be very focused on what other people were doing and how they were ruining the holiday and not even aware at all that I had a part to play. And that's not how I show up today. And so I feel grateful that when I show up in my family, I want to be of service. I just want to love them. I want to have a good holiday and kind of kick back and enjoy that. And um, the evidence is the request that I be there. And that's... It's a story that's still unfolding, but that's what popped into my mind when you asked the question. That's beautiful. Our time is up. Uh, Sherry, thank you so much for being with us today. My guest is uh, Sherry Gogler-Stewart, the Family and Spiritual Recovery Coordinator at the Retreat in Wyzetta, Minnesota. And our topic, Home for the Holiday, Serenity is Possible. Uh, Sherry, you really demonstrated that to us so clearly, and I want to thank you for being with us today on Spirit of Recovery. Thanks for having me, Anna. And have a happy holiday, and uh, we'll be back next week where we'll be talking about Christmas as a recovery story. So many blessings to all of the listeners, and again, thanks so much um, to Sherry Gogler-Stewart for being our guest today. God bless. Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness and expansiveness designed into every moment and the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us once we see what is possible our lives then begin to change this meditative moment is brought to you by unity Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and realize your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, 
Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify. 